I say to Jane, gee, you look good in that dress today. I say, I didn't look good yesterday. <laughs> Praise God. You ready for the word this morning? Yeah. Excellent. Just want to give you a quick recap uh, for last week. Last week I set a foundation and, uh, about this Overcoming Our Fears series that we're going to go on in the next few weeks ahead. Um, and it's really, I guess, that's where we need to start. So I would really encourage you to, if you haven't heard last week's message, to have a listen to it, because it really does set the platform for where I want to go with this, uh, this series um, in the, the next few weeks that are ahead. Basically, uh, it's on the premise that uh, perfect love casts out fear. And there is no greater love, uh, just as Noeline said, uh, over communion. There's no one who loves you more, knows you more completely than Jesus, and he still loves you. And I think that's an amazing platform from where to come from. And I talked about the ABCs uh, of, of what we need to do and understand, in, in understand this platform and setting this platform in our lives. We need to accept that Jesus loves us. We need to believe that Christ died and rose again for me, me personally. And C is to commit our lives and our fears to Christ. And when we start uh, our lives from that foundation, we can start to build something that God really wants to impart into us. For this year, I've started out this year talking about engaging our community um, uh, and doing that. And, and like going into Egypt, as it were, Egypt being a picture of the world, as you, you, you read from the Old Testament where Joseph went to, uh, to Egypt. He was, uh, went through horrendous thing to get there but then God in a day promoted him from the prison to the palace and we see just an amazing turnaround in the life of Joseph but then uh, time progressed forward and it came to a, a moment where one of the pharaohs that was in charge of Egypt no longer even knew about Joseph and the people of God were enslaved and they were in slavery they were being beaten brutalized and the whole deal and then the, the people of God uh, cried out to God saying, God, where are you? Where are you? And then uh, God heard the, the cries of his people and he sent a deliverer in Moses to go to the people of Israel and to deliver them out of Egypt, to get them out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of that uh, corrupt system and uh, the, the land that they were never destined to actually occupy. God brought them out. They went into the wilderness and whilst they're in the wilderness, God had to get Egypt out of the people. He got the people out of Egypt, but then there was a necessity to, to get the, the, uh, Egypt, the mindsets, the, the, the theology of what they'd learned in Egypt out of the people. Because that's not the mindset of heaven. That's not the mindset of the kingdom in, in uh, understanding about slavery and being in fear and, and that whole deal. And then he takes them into the promised land, obviously. So this whole thing, you know, you, 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 you read in, in the Old Testament where the people of God, they're walking through the wilderness and they're so filled with fear. They're, they're so gripped by this fear that they can completely complain. You know, oh, you brought us out just to be killed by the enemies. Oh, there's not enough food. There's not enough water. We're going to die. Oh, what, Moses, what were you thinking? We want to go back to Egypt. And sometimes we can find ourselves in this arena, this, this, this place where we're just disillusioned maybe with God. Things have happened and, and we, we have these fears rise up within us. And I believe God wants us to deal with those fears. I believe God wants us to, to look at these fears and, and to, to, to start, just get them out of us. One of the things I actually recognize in, in talking about this fear stuff is that there is likelihood it's going to stir some stuff up in people. Uh, I recognize that there is an, a possibility and a likelihood that uh, you're going to start to challenge yourself and say, look, I'm over this. 
And I really want to address this. I really feel that God wants to take me on this journey of addressing those fears in my life so that I can move forward. I recognize that this morning. So um, if you're wanting to, to, to genuinely go on that journey and you're really wanting to address some of those fears, I want to tell you that I've got some resources that I can give you. I can make sure that you can have some resources. I've got people that you could talk to to help you work through those fears. Some of the people that you will need to pay for to go and talk to and others you won't have to go and pay to talk to. But there's some, uh, some stuff that I could provide you with. There's some books that I could recommend that you could read and start to, to mull over that actually have study guides as a part of the book to help you work through some of that stuff as well. So I recognize that on, on a Sunday morning, all I'm going to do is really dig some stuff up and, and provide some tools that are going to help us to overcome the fears in our lives. And sometimes we have got a responsibility if we're really wanting to go on that journey of addressing those fears to take it another step and say, you know what, I'm going to do this. and I'm going to address these fears. I'm going to walk through this. I'm going to resource myself. I'm going to find some people that I can talk to, get around. Maybe we can discover some answers together. So I, I know that that's going to uh, be the likelihood. So uh, welcome to part two of our series on overcoming our fears. How about we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word that brings freedom and life into every single one of us. And I know that as I begin to talk about some of this stuff here this morning, that there is likelihood that there's some stuff going to be stirred up. I know that the the enemy wants to come and stir some stuff up and, and just make the fear so crippling, so paralyzing that we feel that we can't move forward. I come against that thought in the name of Jesus right now. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I thank you, Lord God, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have your power, your spirit residing within me. I have access to your word that I can declare and create my world through daily declaring of things that your word declares over my life. And I thank you this morning that as I speak, the Holy Spirit would take my words, implant them into your people and bring transformation to set people free in Jesus' name this morning. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Psalm 34 verse 4 says this, Psalm 34 verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me, he delivered me from all my fears. That's a good start right there, eh? Oh, I thought it was anyway. Psalm 34 verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me, he delivered me from all my fears. You know, people have all sorts of fears in life. I spoke last week about my, my fear of heights. I just don't like heights at all. There's other stuff I don't like uh, as well. I have a, a, f- a fear of crawly things going over my face, you know, which is not good. Uh, there's other fears that I have. I have a fear of getting caught, okay, especially when I'm speeding, all right? So uh, just I have a fear of that. Don't, don't, don't. When I was speeding, I, ne- I don't speed anymore now. So uh, what's, what's sometimes helpful is that sometimes we can name the fears so we get an understanding of, of what it is that uh, we're dealing with. Uh, so I, I did a little quick bit of research about some words. Now, these are really long words, and I have a really big problem with long words in that they trip my tongue up. So uh, there's a disconnect between my brain and my tongue quite often. Okay? Uh, you'll find with me if you stick around long enough that I've got a taste for leather. All right, I usually just swap feet okay, when I'm talking. Okay, so you guys need to lighten up, seriously. Okay, um, so here's some, here's some fears. Uh, agoraphobia, agoraphobia. 
something like that. Fear of open spaces. Hydrophobia. Fear of water. I had that when I was a kid because I didn't like washers, all right, and baths, showers. <laughs> Claustrophobia, okay? Fear of enclosed spaces, in particular elevators, you know, like lifts, stuff like that. Zoophobia. Can anyone tell me what that is? Fear of animals. Well done. That's it. But the one we're going to actually talk about this morning and, and sort of like spend some time on is chronophobia. Does anyone know what that is? Chronophobia. No? No? Time? Sort of. No, nearly there. Sorry? Aging? That's all sort of. Future. The fear of the future. Chronophobia is the fear of the future. Okay? So, why are we afraid of the future? Well, we just don't know what's ahead. It's unknown to us. Doctors can transplant hearts and we can send people to the moon, but we can't tell what's in the future. It's, it's simply unknown. We can do the best we can to predict the future because we see certain things are lining up and we think that that is the likely outcome, but there's no certainty to it. It, it's really just a best guess that we have. We might be able to do that. So here's three things that God says about the future. You ready for three things? First one is, God knows everything that's going to happen. That's the first thing you need to know this morning, that God says about the future. He knows everything that's going to happen. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all the world can be hidden from God. He can clearly see all things. Everything is open before him. I think that's really encouraging this morning, that God knows what's, what's coming up. He's not limited by time. He can be in the past, he can be in our present, and he can be in the future all at the same time. This is where the, the realm that, that he operates in. If, if I was to really like overcome my fear of heights and I was to take a, a hot air balloon ride up over Adelaide just before Christmas, I could have been over Adelaide. And at the time of the, the Christmas pageant that happened in the centre of Adelaide, I could have seen the start of the pageant, I could have seen the middle of the pageant, and I could see the end of the pageant because I was in an elevated position and I could see the whole thing. It's a matter of perspective. But the person or the family that was sitting on the side of North Terrace as the pageant goes past, all they can see is what's right in front of them at that time. That's the thing about the future. We just can't see what's happened in the past and what's happened in the future and how that relates to where we are right then in the world. Does that make sense? See, likewise, from God's perspective, he can see it all. Nothing's hidden from him. He operates at a, at a realm and out of time that you know he just sees it all. It doesn't catch him by surprise. You know, he, he, something happens to us and he's not there going, whoa, didn't see that. Then how did that happen? You know, he, he doesn't say that at all. In Psalm 139 verse 16, he says this, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before a single one of them happened. Before a single one of them happened. See, when we were in our mother's womb, God already knew the number of days we were going to live. And there's nothing he doesn't know. There's nothing that's going to catch him by surprise. The second thing that God says about the future, okay, is that he has a plan for our future. He's got a plan for our future. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, that I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you. 
plans to give you a hope and a future. I think we need to understand something about God. He's done a lot of thinking about you. He's done a lot of thinking about you. He has done a lot of planning for you. He's worked things into our lives that he's thought about. More than we've ever thought about our lives. One thing, the thoughts, one scripture says, uh, the thoughts I have to you outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. Have you ever been to the beach? Have you ever seen the sand? When you start to think about how much God has thought about you and the, the thoughts that he's had towards us, that beach that you're looking at doesn't even scratch the surface of how God's thought about you. Can I miss God's plan for my life? Yeah, you can. Millions do. Millions do. We completely miss it. We miss it through apathy and arrogance, being ignorant of his plan. We miss it through rebellion. We can miss God's plan. It doesn't stop the fact that God has got a plan for us. It's a good plan, and it's our choice whether we get in on it, whether we cooperate with it or we miss it, and we miss the very reason that we were created for on this planet. The third thing that we need to understand that God says about our future is that he is going to be with us every step of the way. When we're thinking about the fear of the future that we might have, we need to understand that God says, Gary, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. There is not going to be a moment in your life where you will find me that I am not right there with you in that moment. And he says the same about you. Hebrews 13.5 says that God says, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. Now, he says that in the context of finance. And if he says that in the context of finance in the Bible, then he's going to say that about every area of our lives in the Bible. None of us knows what's going to happen next year. However, regardless of what happens, God says to us, he's going to be with us every step of the way. That's called God's faithfulness. God is a faithful God. God is a faithful God. That's why I love our opening scripture, Psalm 34, verse 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He, he delivered me from all my fears. See, the key is I sought the Lord. I didn't seek out a, a, a therapy or a technique, although God can use those things. And, and it says that when I sought the Lord, that God delivered me from all my fears. In other words, not only did he get us out of Egypt, he's going to get Egypt out of us. He's going to get that worldly thinking, that the ways of the world, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewed to what? Word of God. Read the Word of God. You want to see freedom come into your life? Read the Word of God. It's not binding. It's not, it's not a set of rules and regulations. The greatest freedom you'll ever experience, God knows us because he created us. He put us together. He knows how we're wired. This is going to set you free. It's not a bunch of stuff that's going to limit your life or, or restrict you from enjoying your life. You look at your friends and stuff like that. They might be out partying on a Saturday night. And you're thinking, gee, that's a load of good fun. I guarantee you that you could still have great fun even though you get smashed on a Saturday night. 
You can have the greatest amount of freedom, greatest amount of joy. The greatest amount of joy is when you set someone else's free. free. You, you, you actually bring deliverance. You make a difference in someone else's life. That's a greater buzz and a greater high than ever getting smashed by alcohol or drugs. Bringing freedom and making a difference in someone else's world. That'll, that'll put a, a rocket under you. I've got to be so careful. I'm excited this morning. Okay? And there's a likelihood that there may be some leather on the, the agenda for the menu. See, that for every fear, I want, to, I want you to hear me on this. For every fear, there is a corresponding attribute of God. Something about his character, his personality, his nature that co- corresponds to that fear that we might be engaged with. And if we'll tap into that attribute of God, that character, that nature of God, it will answer and, and, and set us free from that fear that we might be experiencing. Our fears come from either not understanding or trusting some aspect of God's character. I touched on this last week with my, my fear of heights. That the underlying thing of that is that there is a lack of trust in me that God's going to keep me safe. I'm just being real with you. Is that all right? If, if I'm real with you, you can be real with me. You can be real with the people that you need to be real with. Okay, That's what an underlying fear of heights is all about. It's about an, un, an underlying feeling that God can't keep me safe. And I don't know about you, but I like to feel safe. To overcome our fears, the secret is to seek the Lord. To understand what he's really like. Because what he's like will actually set me free from being in fear anymore. When I, and, and, and this is why it's so important, the ABCs of our foundation. To accept the love of Christ. Okay? It's going to set me free. Because where, where love is, it, perfect love, it casts out fear. The Bible says that. It casts out fear. In any of our fears... We need to just tap into who God is. For instance, today we're looking at the fear of the future. The corresponding attribute of God is that he's faithful. He's faithful. God is faithful. He's going to be there with us. He's got a great plan for our life. We need to understand that about God. So what does being faithful mean? Well, number one, it means that God can't lie. He can't break a promise. He does exactly what he says he'll do. It's impossible for God to be unfaithful to us because of who he is. It's alien to his, his nature, his character, for him to be unfaithful, to tell us a lie. In 2 Timothy 2.13 it says, If we, we are faithless, he'll remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. It's contrary to who he is to operate outside of that. See, if someone ever asks us, is there anything that God can't do? We need to say yes. See, he can't be unfaithful. His nature is to be faithful. He keeps his word. He keeps his promises. He's truthful. But you, these, these, these things come up into our minds and our hearts. We say, well, well I believe God on this, this moment here, this occasion, and he didn't come through. You need to add on yet. It's a powerful word. 
It's a powerful statement of faith. It's a powerful statement of faith. Yet, because there's, there's this sense of belief that God, God's not finished yet. There's still more of my life I'm yet to live. The evidence of that is that you're standing there breathing for a start. You're not in heaven. So there's still an opportunity for God to come through in this particular avenue for you. We just need to give God more time. He gave us time. He was willing that none should perish, but that all should ever come to everlasting life. He's patient with us. Praise God, he's patient. I'm not, but he is. Obviously, Nolene's not as well because we heard her communion message. It's this, this whole thing about us being impatient, you know, and, and, and having issues. And, and Nolene and I aren't the only one with issues. I won't look at anybody. Boombox. Ah. Psalm 145, we're not going there, dear. 145, verse 13. The Lord is faithful to all his promises. Psalm 145, verse 13. The Lord is faithful to all his promises. What does that have to do with our future? It's been guesstimated, it's some conjecture about this. But there's over 7,000 promises recorded in the Bible for people, for God's people. Over 7,000 promises. What God's done is he's allowed us the opportunity to experience something that we're going through in life. He's thought ahead enough, thought about this, and come up with 7,000 promises that will overcome the things that we'll go through in life. And what he said is, you can write your blank check on this one. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, there is a promise that has an answer for what you're going through. And we need to just declare it, to believe in it, to stand on it, to let it be a foundation of our lives, to, to declare it over our circumstance and our situation. Time after time, God says, if you'll trust me, I will do this in your life. So I wanted to have a look at five Five verses, sorry, five promises, five promises I want to have a look at this morning that I, I believe will help us in this whole area of understanding, number one, who God's faithful, but also the, the things that we go through in life, that there's a promise that helps us to get through that. So the first promise that we're going to look at is that God will guide us when we are confused. Anyone ever been confused the others are thinking about it, okay, all right. Just put your hands up again, just everyone put your hand up then. Man, this side's really confusing. There's just a little bit of confusion on this side. Man, it might be just, you guys need to sit over here. It might be an anointing on those chairs for not being confused. Part of our, our, our fear of the future is that we don't know what's going to happen in the future. It's new to us and we think, what have I got to do? Uh, how am I going to cope? One, one thing that we can count on our, in our future is that we're going to have to make some decisions in our future. And, and I know that some people have an absolute 
dislike of making decisions because we're frightened of making the wrong decision. It actually paralyzes us so that we make no decision. So the whole idea of the future brings new challenges. There's new decisions that need to be made. It it means that I might make the wrong decision. I might make, you know, it, it can be confusing. And there's no easy solution sometimes to the things that we're going through. Life is complex, and God has has said, because of my faithfulness, you can trust me when you're confused. And uh, just as a a scripture that you might like to to have a look at is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6, well-known passage of of scripture uh, that most people can, can recite, I would imagine. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he'll show you the right way. See, the issue is this. When we need to make a decision about our future, who will we trust in the making of that decision? When we don't know what to do and we are confused, who are we going to look to to get the answer and to get clarity? Now, we could try our friends and our family and ask them what to do, but they could be just as wrong as we are. Another idea is that you might like to read the No Idea magazine because there's lots of stuff in there that you can base your life on and bring clarity into your life. That was said tongue-in-cheek. I do not believe that for an instant. We could call the psychic hotline, but if they're any good, they'll know that I'm going to phone. That was a dad joke. We could read our horoscope. We could even look in a fortune cookie. But there is only one 100% totally reliable source about our future, and that is God. That is God. God is in our future right now. And he's saying to us to trust him. Don't lean on what we know or our understanding but to acknowledge him, and he will show us the way. Then we won't be confused anymore. This may take time. There's that patience word again. We need to give God time to talk to us. Sometimes God needs to us to quieten ourselves down, to quieten the voices and the storm that's around about us, to find the ability to hear his voice so that we can make that decision. So read your Bible. Let God talk to you and you talk to God. He's okay to talk to. He's all right, really. He's easy to talk to. He's like Father, Father God. Imagine the greatest Father you could ever think of. And then multiply that by gazillions of times. That's how good the Father is. I know that some of us have father issues in our lives. But don't associate how your earthly father has been and treated you and compare that to anything like what God is like. They're totally different. Totally different. For for a start, one's God and one's not. We don't need to fear the future because he's going to be with us and guiding us every step of the way. The second promise I want to look at is that God will help us when we're tempted. Anyone ever been tempted here this morning? 
Well, there's not so many hands up now. See, lots will challenge us in our future. However, we're still going to have the same old temptations, the same problems, the same weaknesses. Because the reality is the enemy knows which buttons to push in us. Okay? But that doesn't mean that we have to give in to those things, those temptations that come our way. It just means that it's going to be a struggle. The problem with that is that some of us are afraid of the future because we're afraid of a relapse of what we've come out of. We've got victory in a particular area of our lives and we don't like the look of the future because we fear that if we keep going long enough that we can just fall back into old patterns of ways of living, old lifestyles that we used to live, old mindsets, old habits that we used to have and and start to, to have those happen in our lives. So there's this fear of the future that we have. You know, there's this whole thing that, what if I stumble again? What, what if I go back to that habit? See, Satan's got us intimidated and panicked. And, he's, and we have this conversation with ourselves in our head. But God says that. He says, don't worry about it. I'm faithful. And I'll help you get through this when you're tempted. And I love this, out of the Passion Translation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says this. We all experience times of testing which is normal, everyone say normal, this is normal for every human being, but God will be faithful to you. He'll screen and filter the severity, nature and timing of every test and trial you face so you can bear it. Each test is an opportunity to trust him more, for along with every trial God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. Isn't that a great scripture? That's an absolute corker. So we don't have to fear having a relapse if we're walking with the Lord in our life. God knows exactly the struggle struggle that we're going through. And he's actually already prepared a way of escape for us in, in our lives. So we can actually make use of that escape route. The choice we have is, are we going to use that escape route or not? Hebrews 4.15 says, Jesus understands our weaknesses. When Jesus lived on earth, he was tempted in every way, the same ways that we are tempted, but he never sinned. He's our role model. God says, I'll be with you, you can trust me, and I'll guide you when you're confused, and I'll help you when you're tempted. That way you can make right decisions. The third promise that we're going to look at is that God will support us when we are overwhelmed. God will support us when we're overwhelmed. Have you ever felt like overwhelmed at the speed of change in the world? There are things that we are using today in normal everyday life that weren't even invented 10 years ago. Simply by the law of averages, it is likely, it is likely that someone here will have a major illness, lose a loved one, trip over an extension lead, have a major accident, lose a job, or have kids that go off the rails. It's likely, just simply by the law of averages of the people that are here today. What do we do? Panic? Lock the doors? Stay inside the house for the rest of our lives and never come out? Living in fear? No. No, we don't do that. We trust the faithfulness of God. And he says when we're overwhelmed, he will support us. Isaiah 43 verses 2 to 3 says this. 
When you have troubles, I'm with you. When you cross rivers, you won't be hurt. When you walk through fire, the flames won't hurt you. That's because I, the Lord, am your God. God's saying he's faithful. There's 365 fear nots in the Bible. So fear not is mentioned 365 times in the Bible. Oh gosh, there's one for every day. Simple mathematics. God's faithful. Just so happened that there was 365 days in the year. Just so happened that there's 365 fear knots in the Bible. God's faithful. God says to us today, are you getting the message? Are you getting the message? You don't need to be afraid. I'll help you. I'll strengthen you. I'll support you when you feel overwhelmed. The fourth promise is that we can depend on God when things don't seem to be fair. There's injustice. We read the paper and think, after reading a story of yet another criminal getting off scot-free on a technicality, we read how the innocent suffer and the dishonest prosper. Whoever said life was fair? This is the earth, it's not heaven. You're living on earth. The earth is marred by sin. God never said that it was going to be fair on earth. There is going to be prejudice. There is going to be mistakes and injustice. We are going to be put down, taken advantage of, and cheated on. It's just the simple truth. That's, that's life. That's how things are. The question becomes, how am I going to handle that? What am I going to do about that? See, we have this new thing called political correctness, absolutely rife through our society today. We have to worry about what we say, otherwise we might offend someone or get offended. You see, a bald person isn't bald, they are follically challenged. A short person isn't short, they're vertically challenged. And I'm not overweight, I'm nutritionally enhanced. <laughs> See, life isn't fair. We will be misjudged, mistreated, cheated and ripped off. What are we going to do? Romans 12, 19. I'm glad you asked. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I'll take revenge. I'll pay them back, says the Lord. God says, don't waste a single moment of your future seeking revenge or trying to get even for the things that were done against you. We can depend on God to defend us when we're offended. Why will he do that? Well, we may have been hurt and victimized by people. 
Do we really think God didn't see that? Do you really think that while he was just off looking after somebody else, something happened to you and he missed it? He didn't. He sees it. He sees it. He saw it happening to you. So God's seen every hurt that we've ever had, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, physical, uh, financial, um, emotional, whatever. And God has given us two choices. Those two, 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 two choices are this. We can defend ourselves or let God defend us. But my question is, who's going to do a better job? Now, you might feel better defending yourselves, and you might feel better getting even with someone, but God will do a better job. Because this is how I would be, okay? I know that you guys would never be like this, okay? Someone does something to me, I'll pay them back, and just a little bit more. (laughs) Just a little bit more. I mean, they're going to remember this. They don't do that to me, so I'm going to get them back and just a little bit more. And then the process regurgitates. It happens again because I did it worse than them. My brother and I. Man, my brother, he suffered at my hands. But he also got me back good. But I always used to get him back just a little bit more that used to tip him over the edge. I knew, I knew how to push his buttons. Sometimes we're like that, aren't we? We know how to push people's buttons. We get back just a little bit. I've got to tell you, why don't we just leave that to God? Leave it to God. Because he does such a better job of it than we could ever do. God, Listen to this. God uses ordinary people, people who are filled with fear anxiety, worry, doubt, insecurity, a sense of inadequacy, but they move ahead and do the right thing in spite of their fears. I wonder what Joseph felt like when his brothers put him into that pit and sold him as a a slave to the the trade. I wonder how he felt. I wonder how he felt when he went into Potiphar's house and was falsely accused of rape. I wonder how he felt when he was in prison and was overlooked. Someone gave him a promise that they mentioned him before Pharaoh and they didn't. They, they completely forgot about him. I wonder how Joseph felt. But he didn't give up. He continued to press into God and in a moment, in the blink of an eye, his moment came and he went from a prison to a palace. I believe that people here today, you continue to seek after God, you continue to press into God, you continue to believe after God, your moment is going to come where a suddenly will happen in your life. Someone needs to say, that's mine. That's my word. See, that's called faith. Faith isn't feeling no fear. Faith is still doing stuff in spite of our fears. Faith is doing the right thing even when we feel afraid because we trust the faithfulness of God through it. The last promise, number five. God will reward us when we are faithful to him. There's a reward coming. When we do what he wants us to do, when we do the right thing, it's not overlooked. 
we can count on God to reward us at some point. We might say to ourselves, why be good? Why have moral standards? Why do the right thing? Why try to live for God? Why have ethics in my business when everybody else doesn't? Why shouldn't I cheat at my exams or cheat on my friends at school or university? Why should I always try to do the best that I can in my vocation? Nobody else does. No one else has the attention to detail that I do. So why should I do it? Nobody notices. Nobody cares. God does. God does. God notices. God cares. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10. God's not unfair. He'll not forget all that you've done, nor the loving labor which you have shown for his sake. That's a good scripture for someone. The Bible says that even a cup of cold water given in his name will be rewarded. Whenever we let someone have our parking space, I had this in my notes, seriously, it's, it's right here. Whenever we give our, our parking space to someone else because we prefer them over ourselves, God sees. Whenever we help someone else, God sees that. Whenever we do the right thing, God sees that. People say, well, what's character these days? Character is who you are behind closed doors when no one's looking. In relationship to our future, we need to understand that we can depend on God to, to guide us when we're confused, to help us when we're tempted, to support us when we're overwhelmed, to defend us when we're offended, and reward us when we're faithful to him. In light of all of that, what are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? What in this world is there to be afraid of in our future when God is doing so much for us? If we trust in God's faithfulness, in his word, there is nothing to be afraid of. But if we don't believe in God and his faithfulness or his word, then there is everything to be afraid of. My fears in myself or my faith in God? Who am I going to trust? Philippians 4.13 says this, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. This is out of the, the, uh, the Amplified Version Bible. We actually did this as a declaration over our offering this morning. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Do you notice something about this, this scripture? It, say, it doesn't say that we're not going to be afraid or have feelings of panic and doubt. It says nothing about feelings. But it does say Christ will infuse us with the power we need to do the right thing if we trust him. That's the power that we need to overcome our fear of the future. It's available. There's only one catch. This power isn't automatic. I know as many believers who are defeated by their fear of the future as I know unbelievers who are defeated by their fear of future. It's not automatic just because we're a believer. So what three things do we need to do? Number one, simply admit you're afraid. I don't like heights. 
It's something I'm working on, I'm trying to challenge myself on, something I'm trying to work through. But the issue is not the fear of heights. It's the underlying fear that God's not going to keep me safe. That's the thing I need to be working on. See, the second thing is ask Jesus to infuse us with his power and his strength. And the third thing is to step out in faith anyway and do the right thing. Those simple three things. Let's stand. When I uh, speak again in two weeks' time, I'm going to be talking about overcoming our fear of failure. Anyone here got a fear of failure? I do. Man, I'm just hitting stuff I'm nailing myself on. I should stop that, but there you go. Let's just close our eyes this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness this morning. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're amazing. You lead us, you guide us, you come alongside of us, you support us, you strengthen us. And this morning I know that I've touched on a number of different things and maybe I've triggered some stuff in people's hearts today. And I pray your peace right now. I pray a supernatural peace. Quieten the voices within people's hearts and spirits that may be troubling them right now. I pray your peace, Father. I pray your peace. But I also ask, Lord, that in the name of Jesus, that you would help us to identify the root cause of the fears that we have, in particular maybe of the fear of the future, the unknown, fear of making mistakes, the fear of making a wrong decision, the fear of doing the wrong thing, of a relapse. And I ask you, Lord God, to help us to identify what that root cause is, a lack of trust in your faithfulness, and help us to trust that. Help us to to walk steadfastly in your faithfulness, to know that you've got it under control. You've you've set things in motion for us, Lord God, that, that help us to overcome in so many different areas. We know that you know what everything that's going to happen. We know that you've got a great plan for our lives and we know that you're going to be with us every step of the way into our future. So Father, I pray for your peace over your people today, right now in Jesus' mighty name. The courage to do the right thing in the opportunity, when the opportunity presents to do the wrong thing. Father, thank you for that. Right now, just every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to give an opportunity for people to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. I don't know everybody here. I don't know where you are on the journey of faith. But I do know that I would be dead without Jesus. I would be spiritually dead, but I'd also be physically dead. I know that in my previous life as a policeman, that I know that I had the hand of God on my life during high-speed pursuits, during sieges, during brawls, during so many different things, during domestic violence situations. I know that God's hand was on my life and he saved my life so many times. And I want God to save your life this morning. I want God to, to show you that he wants to be with you every second, second of every day, every moment of every day. You may not know what the future holds. You may not know where you're going when you die. But I know where I'm going because I've got Jesus in my heart. I'm going to heaven. And I pray that you can have the assurance that you can go to heaven too and live with Jesus for the rest of eternity and experience life out of time with him. The love and the freedom that we can experience because of that. And all you need to do to experience that is to say, Jesus, I'm tired of living my, my way, life my way. 
I ask you to forgive me of, of living things and doing things that I should never have done. I believe in you, Lord Jesus, and I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Is there anybody here this morning? You, you've never prayed that sort of a prayer before, but you want to this morning. You feel like that you need to do that. There's something that you feel like, you, you, there's something inside of you compelling you to do that. I believe that's the Spirit of God just touching your heart. Is there anyone here this morning? You just want to say yes to Jesus. You want to give your heart to Jesus. You want to pray that for the first time. Just put your hand up right where you're standing right now. I want to pray with you. Is there anyone this morning? Just put your hand up nice and tall so that I can see it. Okay. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people. I pray your blessing, your peace, your strength, your power, your presence in their lives today. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.